Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, welcome back. This will be for John chapter 3. This is going to be about the visit of Nicodemus to Jesus. Verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. In the Bible dictionary, it mentions that the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Senate, and the highest native court in both civil and ecclesiastical matters, under the presidency of the high priest is regulated the whole internal affairs of the Jewish nation. It consisted of 71 members and had an aristocratic character, being drawn from the three classes of chief priests, scribes, and elders. In the time of the Lord, the Pharisees had the predominating influence upon it. The powers of the Sanhedrin were extensive, for the Greek and Roman masters of the Jews granted them a considerable amount of self-government. From the New Testament, we gather that it was the supreme court of justice in all cases, and that it had officers of its own who arrested accused persons and carried out its sentences and decrees. Questions involving life and death were removed from its cognizance 40 years before the destruction of Jerusalem. Verse 2, The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles which thou doest, except God be with him. According to Elder McConkie, this meeting took place in the house on the roof of John in Jerusalem. This was at the, at the time of the Passover. He had already cleansed the temple, testified that he was the Messiah, and testified of his coming death and resurrection, and that God was his Father. His deeds were probably well known by the two and a half to three million Jews in Jerusalem. He may have been speaking of his fellow Sanhedrin. Elder McConkie interpreted his coming at night as an attempt to protect his worldly position while investigating the gospel preached by this new rabbi. Another Bible scholar suggests that he came at night because he was a cautious man, sensitive to his responsibility as a religious leader to whom others looked for guidance and whom they were likely to follow. He met Christ face to face to see for himself and to base his decision not on carried stories but on first-hand experience and evidence. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, or born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does that mean to be born again? The Book of Mormon clarifies it in Mosiah chapter 5. And they all cried with one voice, saying, Yea, we believe all all the words which thou hast spoken unto us, and also we know of their surety and truth because of the Spirit of the Lord Omnipotent, which has wrought a mighty change in us, or in our hearts, that we may that we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. In Mosiah 27 it says, And the Lord said unto me, Marvel not that all mankind, yea, men and women, all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, must be born again, yea, born of God, changed from their carnal and fallen state to a state of righteousness, being redeemed of God, becoming his sons and daughters. Back to Mosiah 5, it says, And now, because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. For behold, this day he hath spiritually begotten you. For ye say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name. Therefore ye are born of him, and have become his sons and his daughters. And then back to Mosiah 27, And thus they become new creatures, and unless they do this, they can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. 
Alma 5 says, I say unto you, can ye look up to God at that day with a pure heart and clean hands? I say unto you, can you look up having the image of God engraven upon your countenances? I say unto you, ye will know at that day that ye cannot be saved, for there can no man be saved except his garments are washed white. Yea, his garments must be purified until they are cleansed from all stain through the blood of him of whom it has been spoken by our fathers who should come to redeem his people from their sins. Alma chapter 5 says, Behold, he re- he sendeth an invitation unto all men, for the arms of mercy are extended towards them, and he saith, Repent, and I will receive you. Yea, he saith, Come unto me, and ye shall partake of the fruit of the tree of life. Yea, ye shall eat and drink of the bread and the waters of life freely. Alma 22 states, O God, Aaron hath, give, hath told me that there is a God, and if there is a God, and if thou, be God, if thou art God, wilt thou make thyself known unto me, and I will give away all my sins to know thee, and that I may be raised from the dead and be saved at the last day. And now when the king had said these words, he was struck as if he were dead. Elder McConkie said that being born again doesn't happen in an instant, it is a process. We are born again by degrees, and we are born again to added light and added knowledge and added desires for righteousness as we keep the commandments. Bruce R. McConkie also said, No one can be born again without baptism, but the immersion in water and the laying on of hands to confer the Holy Ghost do not of themselves guarantee that a person has been or will be born again. The new birth takes place only for those who actually enjoy the gift of companionship of the Holy Ghost, only for those who are fully converted, who have given themselves without restraint to the Lord. Thus, Alma addressed himself to his brethren of the church and pointedly asked them if they had spiritually been born of God, received the Lord's image in their countenances, and had mightily had the mighty change in their hearts which always attend the birth of the Spirit. We seek to move from being natural men to being truly children of God. Our hearts, however good they may seem to ourselves, must undergo a mighty change, for God is not trying to make us merely nice or effective or even spiritually inclined. He is trying to take us from where we are to where He is, in our capacities, our knowledge, our vision, and our understanding, our love. Parley P. Pratt said, An intelligent being in the image of God possesses every organ, attribute, sense, sympathy, affection that is possessed by God himself. But these are possessed by man in his rudimental state, in a subordinate state, in a subordinate sense of the word. Or, in other words, these attributes are in embryo and are to be gradually developed. They resemble a bud, a germ, which gradually develops into bloom and then by progress produces the mature fruit after its own kind. So how then does it happen? Maureen Proctor said, We sometimes mistake the process of being born again to line upon line become like our Father in heaven as a do-it-yourself process. If I try really hard, really, really hard, and check off everything on my list of things to do and write down my New Year's resolutions and somehow muster enough will to fulfill them, then I can become good. That describes a fundamental flaw in thinking. Certainly we obey the commandments, but the key to the process is submitting our will to God's, seeking repentance and change through the atonement, and relying on revelation through the Spirit to lead us to that mighty change of heart. To bring to pass our immortality and eternal life are God's work and His glory, and He is capable of doing His work if we let Him. If we will not resist Him, but trust Him and learn to follow His Spirit, He promises he can do great things with us. We are called upon to make the atonement the centerpiece of our lives, draw on its power daily, pray to to be taught through the Spirit, yield ourselves gladly to the experience that God provides for our growth. Uh, Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
It was assumed among the Jews that they were already in the kingdom by virtue of being a Jew. Only those who were converted were considered born again. His question refers to the belief that they were already born of the Spirit. What else is there? Nicodemus, however, was in spiritual darkness. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And by that we're talking about celestial kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Moses chapter 6 reads, That by reason of transgression cometh the fall, which fall bringeth death. And inasmuch as ye were born into the world by water and blood and the Spirit, which I have made, and so became of dust a living soul, even so ye must be born again into the kingdom of heaven, of water and of the Spirit, and be cleansed by blood, even the blood of mine only begotten, that ye might be sanctified from all sin, and enjoy the words of eternal life in this world, and eternal life in the world to come, even immortal glory." Verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And since they're up on the roof, he, he probably is feeling the wind as he blow, as it blows on the roof at that moment. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? In other words, you as a leader of the people should know this. 11. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. The Greek construction suggests that verses 11 to 21 con contain a direct quotation. This testimony of Jesus was given to a member of the Sanhedrin. You have heard and seen, but still do not believe our testimony. Verse 12. If I have, not, if I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? How can you ever understand the things of the Spirit if you can't understand temporal things? I tell you, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but who came down from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Elder McConkie has explained this verse, I am the Messiah who, was, who has come down from heaven. I am the Son of Man of holiness who is in heaven, and I shall yet ascend to be with God who is my Father. Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. We know from uh, the Book of Mormon the explanation of the serpent being lifted up is the brazen serpent that was mentioned. Alma 33 says, Behold, he was spoken of by Moses, yea, behold, a type was raised up in the wilderness, that whosoever would look upon it might live, and many did look and live. But few understood the meaning of those things, and this because of the hardness of their, of, the, of their hearts. But there were many who were so hardened that they would not look. Therefore they perished. Now the reason they would not look is because they did not believe that it would heal them. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Even God can do no more. He has given us his Son. 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that, through the, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believeth on him is not condemned, but he who believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God, which was before preached by the mouth of the holy prophets, for they testified of me. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. For every one who doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he doeth, but he who loveth truth 
cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. And he who obeyeth the truth, the works which he doeth, they are of God. Jesus' teachings to Nicodemus are plain, without parable or metaphor, simple and forceful. Nicodemus spoke up in favor of Christ to his fellow Sanhedrinists. Is that a word? Sanhedrists. He also brought myrrh and aloes to use in preparing the body of Christ after his death. He came along with uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Now we begin to talk about John's ministry and further testimony of Christ. Verse 22, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there, were, there he tarried with them and baptized. This time period from when they left Jerusalem after the Passover to the time they went into Samaria was about nine months. During this time they preached the gospel. Doctrine and Covenants section 112 speaks of the charge to the twelve in our day. Let thy heart be of good cheer before my face, and thou shalt bear record of my name, not only unto the Gentiles, but also unto the Jews, and thou shalt send forth my word unto the ends of the earth. Contend thou, therefore, morning by morning, and day after day, let thy warning voice go forth, and when the night cometh, let not the inhabitants of the earth slumber because of thy speech. Verse 23, And John also was baptizing in Anon near, near to Salim. We don't know for certain where John conducted his baptisms, but they may have been in several different locations. Because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. John's gospel clarifies that Jesus' preaching of repentance included baptism, and the Nicodemus conversion is there to show that one cannot enter God's kingdom without it. Uh, also, one thing about John's gospel is that uh, he mentions seven miracles, and he mentions se and he gives seven sermons to explain them. Uh, and, and that's not all the, the sermons nor the miracles, but remember that seven means full or complete. Uh, so that's uh, why he gives seven, is that these are all that are necessary for us. Verse 24, for John was not yet cast into prison. John is in prison between John 3 and 4. Verse 25, then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews this should be translated, a Jew, about purifying. John's disciples were jealous of the popularity that Jesus was having and that most of John's disciples were following Jesus. Verse 26, And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he who was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and he receiveth of all people who come unto him. This sets the stage for the Baptist to bear his final recorded testimony of Jesus. 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He who hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, who standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. The friend of the bridegroom arranged the marriage contract and presided at the wedding. I, John, came only as the promised Elias, but he came as the holy Messiah. I announce and prepare his way. Verse 30. He must increase, and I, but I must decrease. Elder Talmadge wrote, In such a reply under the existent conditions is to be found the spirit of true greatness and of a humility that could, only rest, that could rest only a conviction of divine assurance to the Baptist as to himself and the Christ. In more than one sense was John great among all who were born of women. He had entered upon his work when sent of God so to do. He realized that his work had been in a measure superseded, and he patiently awaited his release, in the meantime, continuing in the ministry, directing souls to his master. Verse 31, 
He who cometh from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He who cometh from heaven is above all. His mission is beginning, mine is ending. Forsake me and follow him. 32. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and but few men receive his testimony. He who, he who hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. In other words, declared that or certified that. That's what the seal means there. Those who believe the Son will be sealed up unto everlasting life. 34. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth him not the spirit of, or the spirit by measure, for he dwelleth in him even the fullness. The Son speaks the words of the Father, because he enjoys the Spirit of God in its fullness. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. And he who believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and shall receive of his fullness. But he who believeth not, or disbelieves, or disobeys, is uncompliant to the Son, shall not receive of his fullness, for the wrath of God is upon him. Those who believe and obey Christ will inherit exaltation in the highest heaven. So that's the end of John chapter 3, and we'll see you next time. Bye.